0: just going to be reading chapter 4 verses 1 to 6 if you'd like to follow along. It says, Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where there are captives. Do not cover their guilt. And let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work.
1: All right. Hey, guys. Um, It's awesome to be here this morning. It's really good. Uh, We had a bit of a hiccup this morning, and... So thank you for everyone who pulled together to, like, come. I mean, it was amazing just seeing everyone pull together and get this thing. Yeah, it was just really good. So you guys are, you guys are amazing. And, yeah. Um, so uh, we are in our, our third week in the new year in this series called Discover. And the first week we talked about identity, we went through Nehemiah 1, and we saw that Nehemiah is, is, is starting to discover something about himself, right? He, he was, he was uh, in exile still, even though the exile was over, right? He, he had he'd almost chosen captivity because he was comfortable in the palace, cupbearer to the king, and he was just stuck there until he heard that there was great trouble and shame on the people of Israel because the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. And, and so then it, it, it distresses him. He calls out to God. He starts to discover who he is in God. And then he starts to discover his, uh, his, his destiny in chapter 2. And so in chapter 2, he, he starts to live it out. He he prays. He asks God what to do. He goes to the king and he asks the king. And he goes through these things. And last week we talked about five things he does to live out his destiny. Do you guys remember what those things are? I think it's a totally different crowd in here today, <laughs> but some of you guys are here, like Adam, <laughs> and Missy. Um, but he he does he does five he does five things. He who's who said he owns it. He. He, yes, he, he asks about it, he acts on it, shares. he shares it, and then he perseveres in it, right? And those are the steps to him living out his destiny. We talked about how that applies to us as a church, how that applies to you as individuals, but we see DMI starting to do that, and chapter 3 is all about influence and how they're influencing now. And so the reason Missy didn't read chapter three, we're going through chapter three into the first six verses of chapter four, is because chapter three is a bunch of names and what they did, right? And typically when we get to, when we get to a chapter like that in the Bible, if, if you've read through the Bible and if you, if you do that, um, you get through a list of names and, and what do you typically do? You, you kind of skip it or you rush through it. You don't even, you're like, I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce all these, I'm just gonna skip over those names, and I'll read some other parts and, and go through it. But in our BOG this week, uh, Yejin made a really good point. She said, she said uh, all these people are listed. It's a whole chapter's worth of people. And there has to be some significance to that. Why else would they be listed? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning uh, as we talk about influence, why those people are in there, what, what is going on there. And then chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Think about it as the background, what's happening in the background as chapter 3 is happening. Does that make sense? So they're like, chapter 4, a large part of it is background to chapter 3. And it's happening as the wall is being built. Okay, so we'll finish with Chapters one, or verses 1 through 6 in chapter 4 after we walk through chapter 3. Okay, uh, so let's, let's get started. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through all these names. I'm not going to read through all of them. But let's start with verse 1. It says, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers the priests and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it. They made it holy and set its doors, right? They dedicated it. So they consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred and as far as the tower of Hananel. Now, did any of those names mean anything to you? No? I, when I first read through this, I was like, this means nothing to me. I don't know... God, what are you doing here? Uh, get, help me see this, help me understand this. Well, the Tower of Hananel, guys, is mentioned somewhere else in the scriptures. So whenever you're reading the scriptures, you'd say, okay, why is this in here? It's in here for a reason, right? The Holy Spirit would not put it in there if it didn't have spiritual significance for us, even today, right? So why is the Tower of Hananel mentioned? Uh, well, maybe it's mentioned somewhere else, and it is. It's mentioned somewhere else in the scriptures, and it's in, It's a few places and it's an eschatological reference. So meaning that it's about the end times. It's about ushering in the messianic age. It's about the Messiah coming. Remember what's happening in chapter three is influence. In chapter two, Nehemiah has started to live out his destiny and what was that destiny? What was his destiny as part of the people of Israel? It was to be a light to the nations. Remember, in identity and destiny, well, that's, our, that's our vision statement, our mission statement, we all have the same identity in Christ. You have the same identity in Christ as me, and your neighbor, and your, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your teacher, your, your husband, your son. Like, if you're in Christ, everyone has the same identity. If you're in Christ, you also have the exact same destiny. And so the people right now, their destiny is to, is to uh, be a light to the world, be a light to the nations. That's why Nehemiah was so distressed. He finally realized he wasn't doing that. He knew what his destiny was, and he wasn't living it out. That's why he was, that's why he was uh, mourning and, and in distress. So that brings us into this chapter here. And when the Tower of Hananel is mentioned, it's, it's reinforcing that destiny because that tower is, is, a, is a physical marker and indication that the messianic age is coming in. It's being ushered in. Okay, So that it's mentioned here is highly significant. So, uh, verse 2. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. So, it's just something real quick. Not just single individual names are mentioned here. There's groups of people mentioned here. So, the men of Jericho. That could be... That could be three, that could be three hundred, it could be three thousand, we don't know. But a group of people from Jericho were also building. Next to them, Zakir, son of Imri built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate uh, in verse three. Uh, they laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. Just a, just a note, you'll hear different gates through here, fish gate, sheep gate, dung gate, all that stuff. Um, uh, these correspond to actual gates in the wall of Jerusalem today. Uh, just for historical reference for you. They may have some different names, but, but Dungate, uh, that lasted the test of time. That one still remains today. I don't know why, um, but there's still a gate at, well, I do know why, it doesn't matter right now. Um, but there's still a gate in G- the Jerusalem walls today called the Dungate. So um, that, one, that one is still there. Um, and uh, so verse four, and next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hachaz, repaired. Guys, I'm already losing you, I can tell, because you're like, ugh, these names, we should just skip this. But, but stay with me. Uh, he repaired. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berachiah, son of uh, Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, uh, Zadok, the son of ba- Ba'anah, repaired. And next to them, the Techoites, repaired. So you have this word repeated over and over and over again, repaired. It literally means to make strong, to firm up, to fix, to make better, because everybody has a place in the wall here and they are firming it up, they're strengthening it, they're making it better, they're repairing it, and they're building it up, because that's the picture of the church, right? That's that's us living out our destiny. That's each of them saying, no, we are to be a light to the nations. It's this big general thing. We're to be a light to the nations. And how we're doing that right now is we're repairing this section of the wall. And that guy next to me, he's repairing that section of the wall. And that lady next to him, she's repairing that section of the wall. And it goes on and on and on. And they're all doing their part. Guys, that's the church. That's members of the body of Christ. That's us coming together and living out our destiny together to do something bigger than ourselves. A single one of those, Nehemiah, he couldn't do it himself, right? That's why he, he shared it, because he knew he couldn't do it himself. He needed other people to come alongside him and, and do that. So that's what's happening here, and they're repairing something and strengthening it and making it better. Guys, if you're part of the church, if you're a follower of Jesus, are you doing that? In our collective destiny in Christ. Are you making it stronger or are you making it weaker? So often we get focused on our own individual assignment, right? And you could say, well, I'm making my area stronger, or I'm I'm doing this, and and, and forget about the collective effort here. But but guys, we can get so selfish in this and just and just forget that we're doing this together in, in unity. And so there's there's something here to be said about a collective destiny that we're all living out together at the same time. There's, there's so much unity happening here. And so uh, yeah, just keep that in mind as, as we go through, as we go through these verses. Verse five, or, or sorry, we're going to skip now, verse six, seven, and go to eight. Actually, no, I'm going to go back to verse five. <laughs> and then we'll skip. So it says, next time the Tekoites repaired, but, verse 5, their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. So not everybody's working here. Nehemiah didn't get everybody on board. There's some people who aren't doing anything. And they're just, and they're not opposing. There's three groups we're going to see in this, in this passage. There's those who are, working, who had a mind to work, there's those who are opposing, what Missy read about, and there's these people who just aren't doing anything. They're just dead weights. The people who are working are kind of dragging them along, and they, and they get to benefit from the work that these people are doing, but these people have to do more work because these people decide they're not going to serve who? Their Lord. They call themselves Christians. They call themselves part of the church. They say we're part of the body, but are they doing anything? No. They're not serving at all. They're just sitting there. They're just dragging everybody else down. And Hebrews 12 says if we're going to run as a church, if we're going to run as a people of God, we need to lay aside every weight and every sin that entangles us and that prevents us from running the race with endurance talking to Joyce this week and she's talking about like training for a marathon and and uh, and imagine Joyce then if you had to have Josh on your back as you train for a marathon <laughs> right like that would be that would be horrible like you'd run that marathon really fast if Josh was off your back if you trained with Josh on your back but um, guys that's a picture of the church where like so many of us are carrying so many of you Oh. because you don't want to work. Because you don't want to do anything. Yeah. And it's just as bad to be the, the person who is stagnant and the person who is opposing. Because both are hindering and opposing the work of the Lord. And you have this whole group here, and they're the nobles. They're the nobles. They're the leaders. And they're not working. Ah. Oh. Guys, never, never follow after a leader who isn't willing to work, okay? Uh, and if, if you see that in any one of us, you, you let us know, and you hold us accountable to that. Because we're supposed to do this together. And guys, sometimes, sometimes we help bring people along. Like, I'm not saying we don't do that. But when you say this is my Lord and I'm choosing not to live out my destiny and I'm choosing to let other people do that for me, that's just laziness. That's just disobedience, okay? So that's what's happening here. You have a whole group of people doing that, a whole group of people who would not stoop to serve the Lord. And just another note on that, guys, um, just to be a little pastoral here. I was using prophetic gift. Let me use some mercy gift up in here, right? (laughs) Some of you guys are beat up and broken down. And Jesus says, a bruised reed I will not break. If you're beat up, he's not going to come in and break you. He says a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. So if that's what you feel like, he's not here to snuff you out. I'm not here to do that. But you have to call on him for help. The psalmist says, says he is where our help comes from. Say that to your neighbor. He's where our help comes from. Yeah, remember that. He's where your help comes from. That's what the Bible says to you. So if you're if you're suffering this morning, if you if you feel like a smoldering wick, if you feel like if you feel like uh, you're burning out, He is where your help comes from. Own that this morning. As that person next to you just said that over you, like let that sink into your soul this morning and cry out to Him, because if you don't do that and you're still smoldering. And you're, still, and you're still like burning out, and you have the help of the Lord there for you to access, then you're just in disobedience. And we can't help you there. We just say, okay, I mean, you go do that and see how it works out for you. That's what Paul does, does in 1 Corinthians 5. He's like, just hand him over to Satan. He'll, they'll, they'll figure it out eventually, hopefully. It's for restoration, right? Because Jesus is not satisfied, he is not pleased with disobedience. He's not pleased with lukewarmness. He's not pleased with uh, laziness. And if you, and if you, and if you, ah, he's just there for you to reach out to him, guys. He's where your help comes from. So, we don't want to be in that group. We don't want to be like the nobles here. Go to verse eight. We had some more names. <laughs> verse eight, get to next to them, Uziel, the son of Harhaya, goldsmith. Because here's the thing, you may be saying, I hear what you're saying, okay? Like, I don't want to be in that group. You might be saying, that I don't, I don't want to be there, but what do I have to offer? I don't have much. I can't do what that person does. I don't know this like that person knows this. I don't, I don't know what to have to give. I don't know my spiritual gifts. I don't know how to use them. I don't, I don't know any of those things. Check this out. So son of Harhiah was a goldsmith who repaired. And next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired and restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Guys, goldsmiths all the way to perfumers and everyone in between we're doing the same thing. They weren't all construction workers, they weren't all contractors. You got a goldsmith and a perfumer and they are building the wall together. And they're all doing because they know that's their destiny to be a light to the world and that's how they're influencing right now. It didn't matter what their vocation was or what their gift set was or anything, they knew that they could do this and they were doing it. And I don't know, maybe that, maybe that guy Hannah Nye, he was like gilding the wall, I don't know. And then the other person was, like, spraying perfume on it. Like, his, his part of the wall smelled really good, and his part of the wall looked really shiny. I don't know. They were using what they had to build the wall. Guys, let me give you a little, little insight in the kingdom of God here. Each one of you sitting in here this morning has a potential, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, to have eternal significance in the kingdom of God of God, each one of you, eternity is in our hearts, do you guys know that the Bible says that about you, say that to your neighbor, eternity is in your heart, heart. guys, that is such a beautiful thing, and you get to live that out doesn't matter what your gift mix is. And, and guess what? Whatever your gift mix is, whatever you have in your hands right now, whatever, whatever it is, it has just as much significance as the person sitting next to you. You have just as much significance in the kingdom of God, whether you're a goldsmith or a perfumer. Right? Yeah, that's, that's just so amazing. So stop trying to be like the person sitting next to you. Stop trying to be like, Your dad, your mom, that person who looks successful, that person you follow on social media, unfollow that person, by the way. You don't need to be like them. You need to be like you. Uh, And you need to find out how God has crafted you uniquely to influence the kingdom for eternity. For eternity, guys. Yeah. So that's what's happening here. You see that everybody is on the same page here and living out their destiny and it says they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall, wherever that is, okay? Uh, Verse 9, then verse 9 through 19, you have a lot of, uh, you could say, uh, it seems like redundancy here, like kind of superficial redundancy and repetition, Uh, but verses 9 through 19, these next 10 verses, all talk about the rulers, So we had the nobles over here not doing anything. Well, verses nine through 19 talks about rulers of different districts, areas, regions, countries that are doing something about it to help uh, the the people of God become light to the world again. And so you see here in verse nine, you have the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem. If you go down to uh, verse 12, you have another ruler of half the district of Jerusalem um, who repaired he and his daughters uh, then you go down to verse uh, fourteen. You have another ruler of the, dis- of the district of Beth Ha-Karam. Uh You go down to verse fifteen. You have the ruler of the district of Mizpah, and it keeps on going, going all the way down to verse nineteen. And and guys, you have this picture of you have this picture of the rulers gathering their people and doing something, this is a reminder for us. This is a a reminder for us to live out our identity and destiny. Because as Nehemiah does that, look what happens. It's not just him, guys. He's not doing this all on his own. As he realizes his identity and destiny, he realizes his portion in it, right, Um, people start to gather around him. People start to gather and do the work. And they are all living out their destiny at the same time. As you are, we're all here in this school right now, this morning, because one family decided to live out their identity and destiny in Christ. Another family started to live out their identity in Christ. And and those families started living out their identity and destiny in Christ and other people gather to live out their identity and destiny in Christ. And then a group of us gather to live out our identity and destiny in Christ. And then now we're here today because we're all trying to live out our identity in Christ and our destiny in Christ. Guys, and if we could keep on doing that, people are gonna be attracted to that. They're gonna want that. They're gonna wanna live out their identity in Christ and their destiny in Christ. And then that's gonna gather people, guys, There's no reason we should be here as a church this morning. It is a miracle by the grace of God that this church exists, okay? Like, I wasn't just unequipped to do what I'm doing right now. I felt like I was ill-equipped. You understand that distinction? Like, I didn't feel like I just didn't have the gifts. I felt like I had the wrong gifts to do this. And God just said, go, do this. Like, we're... We're learning the <laughs> along with everybody else, right? Do you guys know Adam couldn't really play the guitar when we met him? <laughs> still can, bro. Yeah. It's hall an, an illusion. He learned how to do it. You know, he, he couldn't really sing. It's not like he had voice lessons or anything. He should probably get some, but it's not like he had <laughs> voice lessons, right? And it's just about living out our identity and destiny in Christ together. Guys, none of us really know what we're doing. But I know that as we live out it together, there's nothing that can stop us. If God is for us, who is against us? Right? No one. Adam, if God is for us, who's against us? No one. Daniel, if God is for us, who's against us? No one. Peter, if God's for us, who's against us? Nobody, guys. If God is for us, who's against us? No one. How amazing is that? We got to live that identity and destiny out because no one can be against us. Oh, guys, we should be standing up. You should stand up with me. Don't do it, you don't have to. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you know, they did that. yeah. <laughs> so they're doing that together. And if we need a reminder, in the middle of this passage, if we need a reminder that to live out our, destiny and destiny in Christ, our identity and destiny in Christ is where we find blessing, he gives it in verse 20. He says after him, blessing. This name Baruch means blessing. There's our reminder, that's all we need. Long list of names, when we get to this one, we're like, oh, blessing, okay. I should keep on reading all these names. And then so yeah, verses 20 through 32. And it's just name after name. It's after him, Baruch. After him, Meremoth. After him, uh, the priest. After them, Benjamin. After them, uh, Azariah. After him, Benui. Uh, Palal. Uh, you have all these names. Above the horse gate, the priest repaired. Zadok repaired. Shemaiah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. Hananiah repaired. You have all these names. And, and by the end, by when, when you get to verse 32, you're like, okay. Okay, I get it. I should be living out my identity and destiny in Christ. I get it, and I should influence because that's what's happening here. And it's like, that's what that list of names is for. You wanna find significance for for why that's there? That's what it's for. It should like beat us down so much that we're like, okay, okay, I get it. We're supposed to be doing this. And I see them, I see them doing this. And And it's pretty amazing, guys. And it ends with the goldsmiths and the merchants repairing. But it's not easy. I, it's not going to be all like puppies and roses. I don't know if that's like a, did I make that phrase up? Or is that like an actual, I like puppies, rose, roses are nice. It's not all going to be easy. And so the background to this is verses 1 through 6 that Missy read. It says here, now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry. He was greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. because he recognized, as their influence went up, his influence was going down. As they increased, he was decreasing in that area, in that region. And his influence was going away. And they were starting to influence by living out their identity in Christ and their destiny. And he was angry about it. And he jeered, he ridiculed, he mocked. And you might be saying, well, that's not that bad. I mean, Nehemiah has all these people with him, right? And all they're doing is getting a little bit of ridicule and a little bit of mocking and a little bit of derision. Why is that going to stop them? Well, why does it stop you? Why does it stop us? As most of us don't share our faith, we don't share our identity in Christ, our destiny in Christ, because we're afraid of a little ridicule. We haven't even experienced the ridicule and the rejection and the jeering. We're just afraid that we might. We're afraid we might be so, it might be socially awkward. We're afraid we might get made fun of. We're afraid we're, there's rejection. We're afraid we might lose our job. Who cares if you lose your job? If your job is hurting you from living out your identity and destiny in Christ, you should leave your job. Guys, it's about time like, the church needs to be radical in that. Like, your, your identity and destiny is not in your job. If that's preventing you, leave it. I tell people with this, <laughs> I probably tell someone this, like, once a month. They tell me they're having issues with their job, and, ah oh, it's so hard, and all this stuff, and I'm like, Quit like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, well, I, I, well, I don't know. You say it's preventing you from, from this, and you've tried all these things. I don't know what to tell you. Get a different job. Or, stop complaining about it, and do something at this job, and start living out your identity and destiny there. Like, those are options. So, and you might say to me, guys, I, I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, oh, it's easy for you, because you lead a church, blah, blah, blah. Guys, I quit my job to do this. Do you realize that? We were successful people in the world standards before this. I quit my job to do this, to raise money and beg people for money to do this so that I can help you guys do this, right? Like, and, and, and guys, like, so I'm not telling you to do something I haven't done. So when people ask me that, they're, like, I've done that. I knew it wasn't leading in the right direction. I did it a few times, actually. <laughs> there are a few iterations of it. Um, so, be encouraged by, don't be condemned by that, be encouraged by that, that it, like, it can happen. God will take care of you. You have to trust him. And so, here you have, you have this jeering, right? And guys, when we, what, what Sanballat is about to do is he's about to, he's jeering, he's, he's deriding them, he's ridiculing them, and he's about to hit every doubt and insecurity that they have. He says in verse 2 In the presence of his brothers of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble, weak Jews doing? They're weak. Will they do it themselves or not going to restore it themselves? How can they? Will they sacrifice? He's like, go ahead. Sacrifice to your God. He's not going to do it for you. Will they finish up in a day where they revive the stones? Look at these guys, like the rubble. Like, what are you going to do out of that? Are you Are going to revive those stones? They're all burnt up. And then Tobiah joins in, like his little sidekick. And, and he's like, yeah. What they're building, a fox goes up on it. He'll break down their stone wall. He's basically saying your weakness is reflected in uh, in that physical manifestation, that wall. Like, that's your weakness. Even if a little animal walks up on it, it'll crumble because you're a weak people and you do weak things. He's getting all of their doubts, all of their insecurities, everything in there. Guys, listen to me real quick. One of the main enemies to your influence in the kingdom of God is your insecurity. One of the main enemies to your influence is your insecurity. I use the singular there, but most of us have a few insecurities, don't we? And he's going straight to the doubts, he's going straight to the insecurities. And he's just like twisting them. And he's like, yeah, you guys know you suck. You guys know you're weak. You guys know you can't do anything. And your God is nobody. Where is he? And most of us live lives that reflect who our God is in that way. You don't live a life where God is strong, and he's powerful, and he's almighty. You live a a life where it shows that our God is weak, he's feeble and he's not gonna do anything for us. And your doubts and your insecurities control your thoughts, your heart, your attitude, your actions, not the spirit of God. And we just give in to them all the time. And they're your greatest enemy to living out your influence in the kingdom of God. Guys, you dishonor God when you honor your insecurities. He's not pleased with that. He's not pleased at all. And and, and, and when you listen to your doubts, you're not listening to the Father. You're listening to your doubts. You're listening to the enemy. You're listening to your own flesh, whatever it is. You're not listening to the voice of God. You're not hearing, trusting, and obeying. You're just stuck. (laughs) And at the very best, you're just stagnant. But a lot of us are just like going back the other way. And here we have Sandballot and Tobiah doing that. And so what does Nehemiah do? He prays. The first thing he does is he prays. He calls out for help because he knows that that is where his help comes from. Guys, that is the first thing he does. He turns to God. He doesn't turn away from it. He turns to God. And he says in verse 4, he says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt upon their own heads, and give them up to be plundered in a land where they were captives. Do not cover their guilt. Let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Guys, that that prayer seems pretty harsh. you know, you have Jesus saying, love your enemies, right? And you're like, ah, oh, that doesn't really go together, uh, but it does. Remember, Nehemiah is living out his identity and destiny, which is not his own, right? It's in God. It's this larger identity and this larger destiny that they're all collectively living out. And so, he's praying here for God's justice to be done. Because Who Sanballat and Tobiah are opposing isn't as much Nehemiah as it is God. Nehemiah has that much confidence in what he's living out right now. And with that confidence, he knows comes authority, and he says, God, your justice should prevail here. Let them suffer the consequences of their sin. And because they're in opposition to what you want to happen. Because our God is not a weak, feeble God. We serve God Almighty. Yeah. He's the Lord of hosts, yeah. right? Yeah. He's the light of the world. Yeah. He's the salt of the earth. He has all authority. And we are in him. So guess what that means for us? We have all those things. Ephesians 1 says, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. How many? Every. every. You have all of them. You know, it's, like, uh, it's not like Brooke gets three and Susanna gets eight and Ryan gets 12. Like, each one of us has all of them at our disposal. All spiritual blessings. Every single one of them. Remember that. Remember that you have that. That in Christ Jesus, that is your destiny. That is your identity. That is how you influence. And here uh, we, we have Nehemiah saying, God, your justice be done. Let not their sin be blotted out. And he's like, hey, if they want to keep on opposing you, they will suffer the consequences. Because you've been given so much. Each one of you has been given so much by God. Us as a church, we've been given so much by God. If you don't use it for the kingdom, may you suffer the consequences of it. If we don't use it for the kingdom as a church, may we suffer the consequences of it. God is a forgiving God when we go to him for help. But if we're going to live in disobedience and dishonor him and go the other way, and he's given us so much, may we suffer the consequences of it, of our disobedience, of our dishonor. Guys, the only reason you have your job, your education, your spouse, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, the only reason you got into that school, the only reason you have your house, the only reason you have your money, the only reason you have your glasses on your face, the only reason you're wearing those clothes, the only reason you have anything in life is to use it to influence for the kingdom of God. And if you don't do that, may you suffer the consequences of it. That's how strong Nehemiah's prayer is. So don't be surprised if you're not using what God's given you, for the kingdom, and you're suffering consequences for it. Because he didn't give you that stuff to, to sit on it. And Jesus is harsh about these things, guys. This isn't just Old Testament God, right? This is Jesus saying this. When he says, hey, I'm giving you these talents. And the guy's like, yeah, I saved it right here. And the master goes back, he's like, I saved it. And he says, you didn't do anything with it? No, I just held on to it. Get out of here. Like, you didn't, you were disobedient. The only one who's honored is the guy who invested it and multiplied it. Guys, that's God the same across the board, right? So that's the same God we have today. He's not a weak God. He's almighty, he's awesome, as Nehemiah in chapter one, right? Which means what? You should be scared. You should be a little scared. That word means he's terrible. He's frightening. He's astonishing. We should be a little, a little worried about not using what he's given us for his glory. So take an inventory of your life and say are we using these things for the kingdom? We're doing that as a church. Going into 2020, as a church we're saying, what are we stewarding well for the kingdom? And what aren't we stewarding? What do we need to cut off and what do we need to add in? And so in our church, we are renewing our, our emphasis on youth, which is what Missy talked about earlier. Guys, that's the future of the church as youth who are radically living for, for the gospel. Most of, most of us uh, who, there's not many people at this point in your life right now, unless you're in university, uh, but if you're a young married, young family, it's, you have, it's a slim to none chance that you're going to give everything up for the kingdom at this stage in your life. I've seen it happen, and it can happen, but I see it happen very little because you're focused on your education, you did all that schooling so you need to do that job, you're stuck in that job, you're stuck in your mortgage, you're stuck in having kids and all this stuff and you just live the comfortable life and you're just like, ah, I'll just do something when I retire. Guess what, you won't. Um, and I'll just live my life as comfortably as possible. Guys, we need to stop wasting our lives here. Guys, that's why we're folks who are renewing our emphasis on you. If we can get youth and university who are just on fire for Jesus, we can change the city and the world. Yeah. And us who are, who are more young families, we need to get a hold of that passion. Like, so many of us, have, we've just lost that, and, and we lack that fervency in spirit that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 13. Right? We don't have that fervency and that zeal anymore. And if we're going to live out our identity and destiny, we have to reclaim that. And so we're, we're, we're talking about youth. We're, we're putting renewed emphasis on sharing your faith and trying to, trying to get our church to do that and teach you how to do that and, and walk forward in that. And then we're putting renewed emphasis on disciple-making. Yeah, It's disciple-making. That That is that is making a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. There's four generations there. There's four iterations because if... If Missy makes me a disciple, but I don't make disciples, well, then it just stops there. But if Missy makes me a disciple, and I make Daniel a disciple, but he doesn't make disciples, well, it stops there too. But if she can make me a disciple maker, I can make Daniel a disciple maker, and he makes a disciple maker in Yejin. Boom. We have a generational impact. And so we're we're moving our whole church towards that, guys, um, because we want to steward what God's given us well. And we've been disobedient in that. And I say we, I mean me. I put all that responsibility on me. Um, And and we're changing that. And so Nehemiah says, we built the wall, verse 6, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Do you have a mind to work? That's the third group. You can be in the opposition group, you can be in the stagnant group, the hindering, the hindering group, or you can be in the group that has a mind to work. And I know guys were talking about destiny and, and it seems like such an abstract, ethereal word. It's like, uh, how do I even grab a hold of that destiny? Like, How do I live that out on a daily basis? This week we had uh, our friends over uh, Shabir and Sabi. And Shabir is a prominent um, Muslim imam. And, and he debates all around the world and, and all this stuff. And, and they're, they're probably in their 60s. And I was so excited for them. They've never been to our house. So I was so excited for them to come to our house and, and us to have dinner with them. And I was just praying over them all day and praying over our meal with them and, and all that. And, and, uh, and they were come, supposed to show up at 6. And around 5 o'clock, so I, I finished work at 5, And Missy and we're going to get things ready. And I just felt this, like, huge, it was like all my internal organs were in a huge, like, knot that was, had been put in concrete. And I just felt like this huge weight on my back. And you can ask Missy, I, I was in a horrible mood. <laughs> Stop nodding your head. I was, <laughs> she's like, mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah. I was in a horrible mood, guys. Like, I was just like, oh, why am I like this? I felt so stressed. I felt, guys, it was like, it was spiritual oppression. I felt this, like, huge darkness around me. And I tried to just bowl through it. I was just like, all right, we're going to do this thing. But everything, like, annoyed me and frustrated me. And I was just like, ah. Oh. And then we have, like, and we wanted our house to be light for, for, these, for our friends to come, come in there. And, uh, and I just, at 6 o'clock, Shabir texted me and said, we're going you know, to, they're rounding 10 minutes late. So I was like, oh, sweet. So at like 6 o'clock, I just went upstairs, and I did what Nehemiah did, and I sat down, and I prayed for just like two or three minutes, guys. And I prayed out loud, because I knew something was, was in our house with us. Like, I felt it. i done that. And I, yeah. And I just prayed out loud and I, and, and I rested in God's goodness and his peace. I didn't focus on whatever that was. I prayed the Holy Spirit in, right? And just in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, you own this house. You are in this house. You're in, you are in our bodies. Like, you dwell here. Like, use this thing. Guys, immediately, it was gone. Like, everything back to normal. It was gone. Like, I wasn't stressed anymore, I wasn't frustrated anymore, I wasn't angry, I wasn't, none of those things. They were just gone. That's where our help comes from. It's just simple prayer. It was two minutes, maybe. Maybe not even that, guys. It was immediate. If you know me, that doesn't happen. Like it takes me a while to like, I yeah, get, get back. So um, it was so amazing, and God was just saying, I'm here for you to live out your destiny. And I love you and I love them. And this light, this house is gonna be light tonight. It is gonna be love for my glory. And guys, so on a daily basis, living out your destiny is that simple and that easy. And if you can do that, nothing will stand in your way. If you just throw yourself onto God. Guys, as a church, we're called to our our vision, what we're, what we're moving towards i talking about 5,600 people, 560 partners, 56 plants, right? Like that is, that is what we're living out. That is this vision we're living out. And if God is for us, who can be against us? No one. no one. No one. God is for you this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, God is for you, and no one can be against you. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning you get to step into that because God will be for you and not against you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true. Thank you for Nehemiah and his example. Thank you for Hananiah and his example. Thank you for the daughters and their example. Thank you for Shalom. Thank you for the Levites and their example. For Hasanah, for Benui, for Ba'anah, for for Joida, for uh, Uriah, all these names, God, who said, I'm going to live out my identity and destiny no matter what it takes. And we're going to see, it's going to take a lot <laughs> next chapter. There's more than this just jeering that they're fighting against. So God, make us a people who does that with fervency and zeal and passion for your glory. We give this time to you. and pray in your name. Amen.